This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. And I hate these guys. Well, 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 the gang's all here. Well, we've actually added one to our gang. Billy, we have a special we have a special guest host today. Is that is that right? You 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 came we through do. for the people you you made a promise last week and usually your promises are broken within about 30 seconds of making them. Um, I make a promise every week that's broken, but this one, this one has has come true. You're not such a we have Matthew West one. as our guest co-host. How you doing today, Matt? Who's? <laughs> I'm doing great, and I'm, I'm glad I could be uh, a promise that you keep today. For once, I know. Oh. Well, look at I mean, the 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 world is responding with with such applause, Matthew. I mean, of course, Matt, <laughs> Matthew. Matthew Matthew is a is a is, you know a world famous uh, artist in the Christian music scene, and so he's used to the thunderous applause and that sort of thing. In fact, he oh was, yes, it was nice of you, Matthew, to uh, take a break from counting your giant stacks of money to come schlub with yeah. us for a few minutes. <laughs> well, you know that that can really get your thumbs tired, you know. Uh, just, but I mean, you can only lay on a on a bed of cash for so long before your back starts hurting you got to get up and stretch and and when billy called me i thought you know i picked up my my uh solid gold iphone and i saw billy's name and my first thought was how did he get my number um we all have that reaction when billy calls us after i fired several chains of command in my entourage uh i i decided you know what I am a Christian and I'm a Christian artist and, uh, you know, I need to look out for the little people. So I'm here today. I'm here today for, for two little people (laughs) for you, for you both. The best part about this is that after I explained to you everything about the show and I'm like, this is the most ridiculous show in the world. I mean, there's actually no point to our show aside from the fact that we like to hear ourselves talk. You were like, sure, I'll do it. I love it. I want to do it. (laughs) <laughs> well, I just, I had, you know, in all seriousness, I, Billy, I've met you uh, on a few occasions and uh, had the chance to interview with you on the blaze. And, uh, you know, we instantly hit it off and I thought, okay, um, this, this is my kind of, this is my kind of podcast. And then I listened to the podcast and oh, I no. thought, oh, no. this, See, is, this is definitely, yeah, I, oh, I no. listened, I did. And, um, and I'm here anyways. Uh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's the miracle. See? That is the true miracle that you decided to come in. Well, you know what I love, actually, like in all seriousness, what what I love about you and your music, and we this was sort of the interview that we did um, last time we sat down, is we we talked about your history, how you got into music, and like how different you are from every other Christian artist. And I feel like it's a story that I want to tell everybody because it's like, look, there aren't a lot of people who do music the way right. that you do it, and and letting other people sort of, you know, tell the story through your songs. It's not all about you. It's about other people. And so I want to like, I'm not, this is not going to be an hour of me drilling you with questions, but it's, I want to. Billy is such a fanboy. It's so embarrassing I am, right no, because now. I love this. I, I, I totally am. Because it's, look, how many people are singing Billy, songs about themselves oh, or whatever? I mean, right. you, you do it differently. I love it. 
Billy, I'd be happy to sign your forehead uh, <laughs> next time we're together. I didn't realize you were such a fan. No, I'm um, a huge fan. No, thank you. I, you know, um, I, I, I'm passionate about stories. I'm passionate about the power of story. I know you guys are passionate about story as well, and and you come at it from a uh, your own different and unique angle as well. Mine happens to just be from a musical perspective, and um, you know, I. To be even more specific, um, I'm really passionate about helping people to discover the story that their life was meant to tell. And, you know, whenever given the opportunity to remind people who maybe have been made to feel like their story is uh, insignificant, or their story doesn't matter, or maybe because of some of the rough chapters in their story, maybe they've been made to feel like their story is disqualified from having any power right. or influence to impact the world. And and so that's really where my passion lies. And these days I do, I feel like I'm in my sweet spot because uh, my songwriting has collided with the true everyday stories of people's lives. I've collected over 40,000 wow. stories and counting from all over the country and all over the world. And it started with a simple uh, Facebook post in 2009. I just, I said, hey, I wanna write some songs inspired by you, the people who are out there listening to my music. I want you to tell me your story. And the stories came pouring in and they continue to come in every single day and now those stories serve as the inspiration for for the songs that I write so I started my career writing songs about my own story because that's what you do you know when you're looking for inspiration you look within but throughout some different events in my own personal life um, I felt like my eyes were constantly being directed outside of myself and to the audience in front of me at each of my concerts and wondering well, how, what a better way to connect with my audience than to actually read their stories and yeah. write songs for the people that I'm singing to. Wow. So, you, and the fa my favorite part too, the other piece of it that I love is that you like, you don't prank people, but you like, you call people and you sort of like, there were stories you were telling me about how you surprised them. You're like, hey, there was the guy who was a manager at a pizza shop. I remember you told me that right. story and, yeah. and how you called him and you were like, you know, pretended to be complaining or whatever. And then he comes to the phone and you're, and you let him know that like there was a song you had out that was about his story, which yeah. is, which is crazy A, that you're willing to tell other people's stories because so many people don't do that. Uh, but then B, that you follow it up by letting people know, which I would imagine makes a pretty big impact on those people's lives. Well, it's it's been, you know, an I think anytime you set out, like, I don't know if you've ever been like on a missions trip to another country, but it's a, it's a, it's an interesting feeling where, like, I remember stepping off the plane in Haiti and in my mind on this missions trip I was taking, I'm going to, oh man, I'm, I'm really going to go help people. And then I get there and I realize that I was sent there for those people to help me sure. and open my eyes and right. a similar a similar impact has taken place you know with these people who share with me their powerful stories man they've impacted my life and you know what i think i've taken away from it is that when we make our lives bigger when when the population of our world you know that can quickly be dominated by you know me myself and i um I mean, not me, because I'm perfect, but I'm imagining this is a struggle for you two. Um, you know, <laughs> Definitely, Chris. It's a huge, huge struggle. <laughs> but when we, you know, when we open ourselves up to become a character in other people's stories, man, our lives become 
richer and fuller. And so, yeah, so one of my favorite parts is um, not just the writing of the song inspired by somebody's story, but the the surprising of that person or showing up at their house. I mean, one time we we drove our tour bus uh, into the driveway of a a middle school kid who had been the victim of bullying. And, you know, he got to, you know, be a king for the day. And we I played a song for his family that I wrote for him. And um, and then he rode to the concert with us on the tour bus. And to this day, we still send each other text messages. Now he's he's graduated from high school. He and I were we were actually on Fox and Friends talking about bullying. Uh, And so, you know, it's just cool. We try to surprise people in unique ways. And um, it's kind of like Oprah, but without the free stuff and uh, and the the screaming and yelling and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, or uh, or what's the uh, what's that other show? Extreme Home Makeover, you know, where they're like, move that bus. It's like. We do that, but when they move the bus, it's it's not a new house. It's just me and my guitar oh, singing them a song. What a disappointment! <laughs> it's almost as good. Almost as good. It's almost as good, but not quite. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned characters, and like I have to ask this question because I, Chris, and I have no fan. We have like one fan, this guy Pedro, who's awesome, but we don't have real fans. So when people have real fans, I'm always like, I have to know, like. Look, you're a Christian artist, and Christians are crazy, too, like everybody else. There's crazy people in every bunch. Have you had any really weird, like, what's the most bizarre, weird fan experience you've had? Or have you not had any weird fan experiences? Oh, no. I mean, they happen daily. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they have, you know, you see how, and most of them. You see the, you hear this, humble, are... this humble brag coming through? Oh, no. Well, they happen <laughs> daily. <laughs> 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 no, I didn't mean like I have like millions of fans. What I mean is like you do though. There's no, no, not at all. But there's if I had millions of fans, then I would have sold more records than I. <laughs> <laughs> you've been, I you, look, you've been successful. That's the point. And look, you have about a million times more fans than we do. So I am dying to like. Has somebody done something? Okay, I want you to share two. Like the most right. creepy one that actually freaked you out, and then the one that you thought was the funniest. Okay, well, here I need look no further than what's happening on my social media pages as we speak. Yesterday, (laughs) I was in Santa Monica, California for a day off on our tour. I'm walking around with my family. We're heading down to the beach. And guess what I happened to walk by? The original Hotel California. Right. So I took a selfie of myself. Well, I guess that's self-explanatory because that's what a selfie is. <laughs> I took a selfie with the sign of the Hotel California sign in the background. Right. And then I just posted this short message that said, you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. Welcome to the Hotel California. Just as like, because that's like the place. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you read my comments on my social media pages on Facebook and Twitter, I'm getting I've got over 200 comments and people are attacking me saying <laughs> uh, right here. Maggie says, very disappointed in you, Matthew West. Um, you, you should know that um, you, I can't believe you would post these lyrics that you would go there. Um, and then some people are like, this is the seedy underbelly of L.A., um, and then there's another person is saying like, 
this is the church of Satan. How could you, how could you post about you're the this? Pope. Is a song, Matthew that's West. Our, you are the Pope. I know. Oh, so people are half of the people are are quoting the rest of the lyrics. Right. The other right, half right, right, are right, saying, right. "Matthew, we didn't know you were Satan." Or here's one: Did you know that song mentions the fact that they were Satan worshippers? Which, first of all, <laughs> is true. totally not true. <laughs> It's like it's come totally on, not true. Come on, people! It's the friggin' Eagles for crying out loud. Wait, Dude, you I haven't mean, mentioned the people who started driving to find you at the hotel, <laughs> which I'm sure there had to oh. at least been one. <laughs> well, here's one. Somebody somebody posted. Did you know that on the album cover, the Eagles album cover for Hotel California, you can see the founder of the Church of Satan, which is totally a lie too. That's not even true. So here, I, I guess. You know, I don't know if I'm answering your question the way you wanted, but here's no, what are. I would say. This is amazing. My a lot of my audience, the the Christian oh. music audience, sometimes social media is dangerous, just like email, because yeah. tone of voice is not conveyed, right? right? Sarcasm right. is not always picked up. And sometimes like my Christian music audience, like they're so hypercritical of me as if I'm like promoting some Satan worshiper song. Which, right. come on, guys. Right. Like, no. Well, I mean, your name backwards does mean Lucifer on high. So, I mean, like, if you actually take the letters of your name and put them, you know, invert them, you end up with that. So it's understandable exactly. why so many people would think that. Exactly. And so so there's that element. And then if I had to point to, you know, another one, you you kind of made a joke saying I was the Pope. Well, there was a there was a concert a few years back where this woman comes through the autograph line with her friend. And she's sort of like sticking her belly out with her hand like on her waist, kind of how a pregnant lady would walk. But <laughs> she didn't look pregnant. And I've learned in my career that you never ask somebody if they're <laughs> no, expecting. Right. And but it was obvious that this woman wanted me to acknowledge that she was with child. And oh, no. so finally her friend says, look, my friend's having a baby. And I'm like signing her CD and I'm like, oh, that's great. Congratulations. And um, she, the lady goes, um, would you lay your hand on the baby oh, no. and bless the child? Oh, no. oh my gosh. Oh, my God. And I'm, and I'm standing, I'm sitting at this table and I'm like, uh... I, I don't want to touch this woman's belly. And she kind of had like her belly was kind of coming out of her tank top. Oh, and I'm no. like, I, I was like, what do I do? Oh. And so so I just said, well, I'd be happy to pray. And there's like 100 people behind her in the line. So I just I'm sitting on one side of the table and I just put my hand out in front of me, like not even six inches away right. from my chest. Right. Like just <laughs> in the direction and I close my eyes and I pray like, Lord, I just pray for the health of this child. And as I'm praying, I feel a belly. <laughs> <laughs> she climbed up on the table and leaned her belly into my hand. Tell me somebody recorded so that I this. Could officially bless the child. Tell me that you got this oh, on this video. This woman's name Chris Field. <laughs> Just picturing Chris trying to have his belly blessed. By him. Oh Tell me, somebody gosh. recorded this. Somebody had to have recorded this. Well, if they recorded it, oh, then we would have posted it on social media, oh, and we would have gotten 300 complaints that I'm, that I'm, uh, you know, touching <laughs> people's bellies. Yeah. 
So I'm a Satan worshiper because right. I quoted an Eagles song, right. and I'm I'm a I'm a belly toucher because some lady walked into my hand. Okay, that is so, the weird. So that, that actually is a, is a weird story. So I, I yeah, so I mean, you know. Then uh, I'll tell you one other quick right. one. But this lady came up to me after a concert, and she said, "I'm I'm praying for you and your wife to have a little boy." And I said, uh, "Oh, okay." Because my wife and I have two daughters. Uh oh, did we lose him? I think we might have. Oh man. Yeah, we did. He didn't want to tell the story. <laughs> Billy, did you ruin the technology? <laughs> Let me call him back. No, uh, because I was not the one who called this time. See. All right, that's right. Let's see, Adam. I'll call him back. See if it comes through. <laughs> this is. The, <laughs> there you go, boys and girls. This is how you do a podcast, a professional <laughs> podcast with a celebrity. <laughs> I'm calling him. I don't know if it's coming through. Are you getting a little icon on Skype that says I'm trying to call yeah, him? Yeah, I see it. All right. Maybe they have bad internet over there. Maybe. I don't know. Sound was sounding good. That was weird. I think he, quote, accidentally bumped the disconnect button. What do you think? Or his manager did. I think the belly, the belly woman found <laughs> out he was talking woman about came it. In. That's crazy. <laughs> can you imagine? I can just, like, you can kind of, you can picture like a Will Ferrell sketch or something. Where something just kind of slowly eases the belly into his hand. <laughs> he said he lost signal, but he's calling back. Okay. He just texted me. That's fine. I like expected in the story of the baby's hand to come out and slap <laughs> Matthew West. <laughs> so do I need to stop trying to call him then? Yeah. Um, hang up. Are you still there? No, I'm not. Yeah, shut up. I'm trying to get this thing to work. There. I just hung up on that one. Do I need to try calling him back or is he calling us back? Yeah, try again. Try All right. again. All right. Does he have, you think he has signal now? It says he's online. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, so. it's showing up on Skype. Yeah, I think he does. I, I would call that. All right. <laughs> where did he leave off? We got to remind him where he left off. You know how these celebrities are. They lose, they lose track of where they were. They got so many things going on. Those dollar bills flashing in their faces. Come on. It's trying to connect, but it's, there's nothing happening here. He's in the Hotel California. Yeah. That's where he is. He's stuck there. He can never check out. That's crazy. The people who are coming after him about the Eagles song. People are nuts. They are nuts. Pedro, yeah, Pedro, I, Pedro, you should ever start acting that way. We're going to disown you. Maybe we should redo the whole thing. Like, just <laughs> disconnect. All right. Hey, and so I will hang this up and I will call both of you back. Why don't you call me? You there? <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, this is the Church Boys uh, podcast, and we have totally shut down on Skype here. So um, we're going to take a break and see if we can fix this, and we will be right back. Oh, wait, they're now they're calling. Just a second. We won't take a break. You guys there? Hey. Are you there? The woman found the woman with the belly found found out that we were talking and <laughs> clearly did not want it. Well, you know what? You're guess what? what? You're right because uh, that woman 
I didn't finish the story. Oh, no. That woman was Hillary Clinton. <laughs> gross. Oh, gross. Gross. <laughs> You're okay if we keep that in, right? We Wait, just recorded it, was that. Was like a crop top pantsuit? Like, oh, what, no. What you got on the table? <laughs> Billy, you have you crossed you the line. Belly. What was she wearing? <laughs> it was it was it was a Hillary I've never seen before. It was a different side of her. You okay with us keeping that? I'm still recording. Is it okay if we keep that? Of course. Okay. How could you not keep that? Hillary in a crop top pantsuit on a table trying to get Matthew West to bless her baby. <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. Uh, okay, so he was you were so you were starting on another story right. and then the woman Hillary cut our line. Well, uh, the last story I was going to share with you was um, oh, another woman came up to me after a concert and she knew that I had um, two little girls right. and she she said, I'm praying for you and your wife to have a little boy. And I said, oh, OK, thank you. And she said, but you need to stop wearing tight pants. Oh, no. <laughs> and then she like looked down at my pants like, oh, dear in an awkward way and I they weren't even tight pants and I was like okay well thank you for that weird <laughs> strange comment people so, are so weird not only is no, that strange it's off it's extra awkward for about 10 different reasons yeah. that we don't no, even need to totally that. inappropriate I, I think right. but I think what I'm getting at is that you know a lot of times like you know we have the people that listen to Christian music it's if if there's ever something that gets a little weird, yeah. it's also mixed in with like spirituality, right? Sure. So yeah, there's yeah. like uh <laughs> there's an extra dose of like yeah. of of awkwardness <laughs> sometimes that you know people really mean well. And you know, I, I obviously I love I love the people that, you know, are out there supporting my music. It's just there's those funny stories yeah. ever now yeah. and then where I'm like, I don't want to touch a lady's belly. I don't. I just don't want to. <laughs> I don't. And I had to call my wife. I was like, Honey, oh, in case, in, in so case there are any pictures, in case there are any pictures that come I out, I did her. not mean to touch her belly. Dude, she was laughing so hard when she heard uh, that story. She was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" So, so was she like sitting on the table? Like, how was uh, that's the part that I'm trying to visualize this woman. On a like, I can't figure out. Did she get on top of the table? Let's just say she had like her friend with her, and when she, she it must have been up. when she noticed that I wasn't gonna extend my hand any farther, oh, that God. that she, with the help of her friend, was able to lean far enough into my hand. And the minute <laughs> I felt belly, I just said, "In Jesus' name, Amen." amen. <laughs> And that was it. That was I was telling Billy, I I just I just imagine like a Will Ferrell kind of sketch where the, you could just they slowly creep up there and suddenly there's belly contact. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's cra it, it, yeah, exactly. It it, it would have been it would have been funnier if it was Will Ferrell. It would, it, you know what I mean? It was just so creepy. If it, yeah, if it wasn't an actual person wanting an actual <laughs> baby a blessing. All right, so um, hey, I don't even know. Like, how do you even transition we're not, out of we're, the belly? Well, I don't even know where to go from. Well, we have well to... I tried with the Hillary Clinton. You well, that was a really good transition, but I was not from. I could not let it <laughs> so, go. The pants, the crop top pants, and it just brought us right back into it. So let's. Oh well, I'm sorry. Let's. I want to play. For I think you. we should talk about Hillary though. Because I do. I do want to talk about Hillary, I, but I, I want to. Hey, Billy, I know you're trying to avoid me playing this, but I got another I phone message from your mother. 
your mom your mom <laughs> left remember. and apparently she's a big matthew west fan so let's play this so that i and i promised her i'd play it so just a second here that's great Quite a fan, Billy. She bronzed his <laughs> socks. It's a little weird. You know the best. The best part about having family that don't listen is that she has no idea that she's a character on the show. <laughs> she, I mean, I don't. Hey, Billy. All I'm gonna say is that I have a feeling that like you might need to send me your story someday of, uh, of what it was like being raised by her, and maybe I could write you a song someday. You should. And, I mean, I think we need to address the sock issue because I'm wondering if my mom is the woman with the belly at this point. I don't know if it was Hillary. It might have been my mom. Yeah, it might have been. I don't know if they bear any resemblance, but uh, but I, but Sheboygan, of all places. I mean, oh, that's, that's just hey. amazing. Small, it is small, amazing. I smaller venue means socks. easier access. That's, that's the key question. That's <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly creeped out. I was looking for those. That, this is going to be your new story. When somebody asks you what is the creepiest story, it's going to be that my mom yeah. stole your socks. <laughs> Although my mom actually is a huge Matthew West fan, which is what makes this amazing. And, and probably, I say to Chris all the time, if this were a realistic phone call, it would probably not sound much different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so, hey, let's, can let's, we now transition yeah, to Hillary, me, please? Yeah, because just a minute, I'm get, ready. I'll, I'll get to the transition music in just a second. All right. Go ahead, and Chris. Time, awkward transition. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, well, okay. So this was. Are you gonna? Do you have the clip to play of Hillary? Yeah, it's like thirty seconds, right? It's sitting right here. Yeah, why, let's just start with that, and then and then we can address it. All right. So you don't want to set it up or anything, boys, no, and, I boys want and girls. This is a up. this is a professional podcast you're listening to. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's the Hillary. Like I'm saying. just I'm, I'm I'm letting you all just go down in flames, man. You <laughs> just do it. Go every week. The ride, Matthew. <laughs> Somehow, like a ride. phoenix rising from its ashes, we're able I to come back every week. Man, I'm jumping. <laughs> okay. Here we'll play this clip and then we'll no whatever. All right, just a minute. You know, when people say that, um, it's always the Republicans or their sympathizers who say you can't have paid leave, you can't provide health care. They don't mind having big government to interfere with a woman's right to choose and to try to take down Planned Parenthood. They're fine with big government when it comes to that. I'm sick of it. You know, we can do these things. We, we should not be paralyzed. We should not be paralyzed by the Republicans and their constant refrain, big government this, big government that, except for what they want to impose on the American people. I know we can afford it because we're going to make the wealthy pay for it. That is Thank the you. way to get Senator it done. So you, hear the, you hear that? You hear that, Matthew West? You're going to pay for it. Not oh, me or Billy. We're not oh, the wealthy. I'm the wealthy. Is that yes, what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> well, you do have a bed of money, allegedly. That's right. And a gold phone. <laughs> you know, like, what strikes me about this whole thing, and it's it made me laugh when I first heard it, A, because she's scream-talking the oh, entire time. She's awful. But B, because I just, it was confusing to me, and, I, and I'm not even saying this as a conservative person or whatever, but... Like she blink, brings up Planned Parenthood and it doesn't even fit in what she's talking no, about. No. And then you bring up the whole big government thing. I think anybody with a brain, whether they're a conservative or a liberal, would understand that, you know, from a conservative's perspective, they view abortion as having to do with life and that this is a life that you're terminating. And so when you when you come up with the whole big government argument, I guess I kind of get that perspective of, oh, you're telling a woman what to do and you're OK with the government doing that. But it's so much more complicated than that. And then the last thing I would say, though, is that the real issue Republicans are upset about, it seems, is the million, the hundreds of millions of dollars a year that go to Planned Parenthood, which is actually a big government issue. It's the government giving millions and millions of dollars to a private group that right. actually makes a profit. Yeah. Right. So I was just, I like walked away almost laughing and a little bit confused by it. Yeah, it's such a contradiction in terms. And, you know, I would argue, I mean, even the word impose Right. You know, what Planned Parenthood is imposing on our country is worse than what she's saying the Republican Party is imposing about big government. I completely right. agree with you, Billy, that this, you know, these are major, major dollars going to an organization that is not doing what it what it's applauded for being doing as right. far as everything I can read. Right. You know what I mean? Like. The fact that they can't find what was it? What was it? I read that that, that there's not one mammogram. No. Yeah, they machine. don't do mammograms. They don't do mammograms. And yet, that's one of the big, that's one of the big, you know, banners outside right. the door of Planned Parenthood as right. far as why it should exist. Right. Um, right. So I mean, what's happened? And Billy and I, you have talked, you and I have talked about this offline when we were at the the Glenn Beck event, but just disgusted by the news that we've heard and yeah. then the fact that she's gonna still wave the flag <laughs> high and use it as a you know i'm not surprised no that's not all, all i would no. say right not at all and she had to i mean and understand I mean, just from a political standpoint whether i would agree with her or not and i don't <clears throat> she it was it was as it came across as so obvious her attempting she had to there are certain boxes she had to check during this debate she said i have to get this mention this mention this mention this mention so and so that it was so out of place and so weird but everything she does just from a political standpoint just 
politi- as a political observer, regardless of philosophy, everything she does is awkward and weird and obnoxious. And it just, she seems to me, she seems to me as somebody like, even if I were completely disassociated from, um, from, from my viewpoint, I would look at her and just what an awkward, strange candidate to me. Well, I just don't like the whole mammogram thing. And I know Chris, I'm not going to get myself in trouble here. Cause the other day I wrote something up and I sent it to Chris and I was like, I really want to put this on my Facebook page. And then I didn't do it. Um, but I think from my perspective, I keep hearing people say, um, and the point that you made, Matt, well, they're, they're not in, I think they have what, 650 or more clinics. They're not right. doing mammograms anywhere. And people say, well, yeah, that's not uncommon. Doctors would send you to a radiological center for a mammogram, but you know, doctors would also send you to a hospital for a surgery. So I've always sort of wondered, it's kind of an odd argument, you know, why not buy a mammogram machine? You're performing abortions in your office, which is a very invasive procedure. If you could do that at a clinic, I would assume. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you don't have right. to be sent to a hospital for that right and well and to me it's just i guess all the talk i've heard in support of planned parenthood talks about some of those services which is the reason why we're now talking about why there wouldn't be that equipment in the clinics because we've been made to believe that that is what that what they perform i mean if they're simply in place to refer somebody to another doctor right that's one thing you can come over to my house and i'll refer you to a doctor Exactly. So, you know, and and as far as Hillary Clinton being likable, I mean, you know, I just there's so much about her and her her whole family that always just has the stink of scandal that I can never get out of my (laughs) nostrils. (laughs) That's always my struggle is is like. Just Benghazi, even, you know, the email, uh, you know, the um, the email scandal and all these emails of, you know, yeah. her her private email. It's just it's just it feels like it's always something. Yeah. Um, and and that, you know, to me, the fact that she could still be a front runner when it's always something. If there was a Republican candidate where it was always something scandalous or rumors of scandals. Um, it just seems like they would be gone in a heartbeat. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't know. Just that, to me, I feel is is always a double standard. But I'll tell you what, man. I mean, if you come out against Hillary Clinton... Watch I mean, out. And if you... You know, Billy, if you're scared to make a post about Planned Parenthood on, on Facebook, I mean, try posting a picture of the Hotel California. <laughs> that's, that's where you're going to face real judgment. Hey, you know what? I think that's the bad... I think it's... Cra- you know, like you can't win. I don't think you can ever win on social media Man, ever. I mean, awful. it doesn't matter. You could post the nicest thing in the world and somebody there's some person who's constantly I shouldn't even say this because they might listen to the show. They're always tweeting me and they and I think they think they're Jesus. Um, it's very weird. And I'll have to send you guys the pictures after. And I get these weird messages from people all the time. But this one person it's I think the account is like real life Jesus or something. Okay. And it's all these bizarre pictures and proclamations and stuff. So I guess my point is there's a lot of nut jobs out there on social. And then there's a lot of people who just don't have comprehension skills who get upset. Yes. I mean, like you posted a picture. How do you get upset over yeah. that? I just don't get it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I it's just ironic. You know, I think people are looking for, you know, we want our role models to be perfect yeah. um, if they if they're Christians now. Right. We could care less if our role models are perfect in the secular world. You right. know what I mean? Right. I mean, we that's the thing is, you know, we hold our our ath, our athletic stars and heroes 
in such high regard, you know, yeah. even if they're getting 60 game suspensions for PEDs, but, but you know, if a Christian musician or someone, you know, I think that's why, you know, I know we're a little bit off topic because we've gone from Hillary Clinton to sometimes <laughs> yeah. the, the judgment of, of Christians yeah. can be, can be the harshest, which is also why 40,000 people would share some of their deepest secrets with me and maybe feel more comfortable doing so than by going to somebody at their church and telling them yeah. that, that they're struggling with depression or homosexual right. thoughts or, right. uh, you know, that, that they've had an abortion and they can't forgive themselves for it. You know, these are the stories that come to me. Right. Um, and, and I can't help but wonder if it's because they've been made to feel like the church that they attend or don't attend is is not a safe place as it should be yeah i heard a I heard a pastor say once and i totally agree with this and i've stolen this line when i use it when i speak to families and churches and things and that's you know people who are easily offended are people who like to be offended like that's their sole purpose in life it's yeah it's, they seek it out they're 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 not complete unless they're mad and ticked off about something all the time yeah and you're so, looking for something right you're, i mean right. you gotta be you gotta be looking to pick a fight right. if you're if you're upset about um, you know, I, I, one time I posted, uh, this, you know, speaking about pro-life, you know, I, I did a benefit concert and I performed several benefit concerts. I'm proud to say it for crisis pregnancy centers across the country, which are basically out there on the front lines as a voice of hope. Right. Um, you know, uh, I wish we had one crisis pregnancy center for every Planned Parenthood center. And I wish they were right next door to each other, but, um, you know, I so I shine a light on the the unsung heroes of the world whenever given the chance. And I sang at a crisis pregnancy center in Dallas and went home and posted a blog on my Facebook page about what a great work they were doing. They'd given away seventy five thousand free ultrasounds to women contemplating abortion. And I got hammered. People saying, stay out of politics, West. Uh, people saying, uh, you know, the last thing we need is another conservative male telling women what to do with their bodies. I mean. And and it's just uh, it's just one. So even that topic, I mean, obviously we know this topic of abortion is a controversial one, or else we wouldn't be talking about it. But right. even within the walls of the church and the Christian community, and you know, my fans are Christian music yeah. fans, yeah. and yet they were hammering me for for making a post in support of a pro life organization. Yeah. That's crazy that, well, you know, it's funny because I was just saying to Chris, you know, like we were going to, we were going to do a break, but I think you just transitioned us into something that I think is, is important. And it's a story about the crisis pregnancy centers out in California. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this one, but this is basically this new law. It goes into effect January 1st and it requires any, um, and, and in fact, you're in California now. So it's, it would be interesting for you to talk with some of these centers, but any center that's registered with the government and licensed, they have, and these these are centers run by churches, they are going to be forced to provide information to women who come in, letting them know, you know what, you might not want to use our services, but you can get an abortion, you can get covered a low cost or fully covered through the government, and you have to also, they have to also give a phone number and contact information to social services. Those are things that are actually required of crisis pregnancy centers, even those that are run by churches starting January 1st, which is just crazy to me. And yeah. they filed a lawsuit over this. Yeah, it's, I mean, we've been working with some crisis pregnancy centers right now with the, um, I've written a song um, called Untold that talks, you know, I basically wrote it 
inspired by the story of a crisis pregnancy center that I sang for. And they wrote me a letter and they said, you know, we pray that someday you might consider writing a song that speaks for the unborn. And man, that that spoke to me. And I wrote a song about it. And so we're working on creating this this digital package kind of thing that can be a, uh, just a, a support resource for crisis pregnancy centers across the country. And we've we've been taking our cues from them on how to build it. And man, the hoops that they have to jump through and how they have to be very careful um, that they're not um, pushing too much of a pro-life agenda, even though that's what it, by nature they are. Some of the reasons are so that they don't scare women away from walking through the doors for fear that they're going to be talked into um, one decision or another. Um, but uh, it's just a, a very, very tragic topic. And, uh, you know, I, I just uh, my heart breaks for it when I hear it. And to me, that's ultimately what Hillary Clinton's comments do to me. They come back to this like you're you're missing you're missing the point. There's a value of life that we're talking about while you're shouting about Republicans and big government. Like at a certain point, there's got to be a compassion for human life. And that just doesn't exist in our nation. Even if you say you don't agree, right? That's what strikes me about comments like these, because it's one thing to say, you know, I know this is a difficult topic. I know that there's an issue of life here. There's not even, there wasn't an acknowledgement of that, which I think, you know, if you're trying to capture any moderate people, I would assume that would have been something that maybe you could have worked into that sort of response, right? But it was about Planned Parenthood. And that, and I, I think that was the whole reason why it was, she did it so strongly on her side. But, you know, with the crisis pregnancy centers, this law, these two lawsuits that they filed in California, I mean, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens if, if the government comes in and says you have to, regardless of your Christian beliefs, um, you have to tell women about their access to abortion when they come in. That poses a really interesting, I think, conundrum for obviously First Amendment rights for these groups that are associated oh, with churches. Yeah. So, without it, question, without crazy. question, it's, it's completely ridiculous. But, you know, we're seeing that tide hit on multiple fronts right now. Um, right. I mean, I mean, so I'm not surprised by that one bit. Hmm. Exactly. Well, Chris, do you want to yeah, bring you our break in here? Yeah, Is let's, that let's what go you're ahead, let's... demanding? <laughs> I'm not demanding that. You're, dema- you're demanding. I'm, I can very, hear de- I'm very demanding. Silence. You know, uh, you know, Matthew has spent time with you and can tell you who's demanding and who's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, let's, let's take a break, and then we'll come back, and I've got a little quiz for Matthew, and then... Um, and then uh, I want to I want to ask you a few questions about just the music industry in general, and and, and then also about the the music scene in Nashville. I, I, yeah, I, I would I'm interested in that, and I think our listeners would be too. So we will uh, get into that right after this. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. So we're back here with uh, with Matthew West here at the Church Boys, and uh, he's been kind enough to stick around with us for uh, for this whole show and guest host. And um, I'm hoping that he will agree to replace Billy uh, here on the podcast. Um, <laughs> then the ratings will just shoot through the roof. We'll get to we'll get to tens of listeners by you know by by December. So anyway, something tells me uh, something tells me Billy's mom would actually be in support of that. <laughs> she just... would be. I'm sure she would love it. <laughs> I hate you both. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we've got, um, I have a little quiz here for Matthew. Um, he was agreed, he agreed to do this and, and, um, uh, 
Now, if you don't feel comfortable saying the word hack, you could just give me two coughs or something like that. So it's, it's just a, I'm just going to give you a list of names and you just say hack or not a hack. And, um, oh, man. Wow. and, um, if they're, if you're not comfortable, you just give, you know, a couple coughs if they're a hack or not a hack or whatever. So, <laughs> all right. So first That's on, going to make it a lot better. Okay. First on the list. See my goal. I told Matthew this when we were getting this set up, my goal is for him to say something that is going to just kill him in the Christian music industry and back awful. in Nashville. Thank you're you. Awful. Thank so, you. That's, right. that, I really appreciate the support. You, you bet. Now, um, okay. First name on the list. David Crowder, hack or not a hack? <laughs> not a hack. Oh, not a hack. All right. Uh, <laughs> now, so when, you're actually choosing my peers. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and now I, I, when Billy told me we're having, he, we're going to have Matthew West on. I'm like, oh, great. Matt Mayer's going to be on. No, no, Matthew West. Oh, and I'm wow. like, who? Wow. So Matt Mayer. Yeah, Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Mayer. Uh, Mar. Matt, Matt, Matt Mar. Matt Mar. Mar what is wrong with Matthew, you? <laughs> hack or not a hack? He is not a hack. Okay. He's written some really important songs for the church. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that you need to listen to. More. Right. That's probably yeah, sold. Be a probably person, sold. Probably yeah. sold more yeah. copy. Probably sold a few more copies than than uh, than our <laughs> distinguished guest host here. <laughs> um, now there's this so is, many mats. I think people <laughs> just don't even know which one they're there's, buying. Okay. So <laughs> speaking of mats, Matt Redman, hack or not a hack. Not a hack. Okay. I mean, you're you're not gonna get me stumped on these. I mean, you gotta. <laughs> okay. You're gonna have to go beyond my genre. Okay. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Chris here we go. Field. I've got hack one. Hack or no? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've got one. This one. Now, this will be sacrilege to my father, who's a gospel singer. Bill Gaither. Hack or not a hack? Oh, are you kidding me? Bill Gaither's a genius. <laughs> okay. He's been on this show, you know. Has I, he? I love. He Bill, been, I love yeah. Bill Why? Gaither. I don't know why. <laughs> That's a really good question. We wondered the same thing. <laughs> all right. Um, he, he like loved hmm? the show. Maybe he was like all loved it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why. He didn't guest host, though. Only you've had that honor so far. Well, I'm, I am honored. That's right. And humbled. Good. Um, you, you mean else, hum, humiliated? Your, he doesn't mean list. he didn't mean humbled. He meant humiliated. He's he's been humiliated. <laughs> yes. Sometimes just, I get my words wrong. Just a couple. Just a couple more here. Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Hack or not a hack? Oh, no, he's. Uh, I would. I'm gonna give you one that, an option you didn't offer, which is uh, a hero. Yeah. He's he's one of my uh, one of my favorites. And I had a, actually, I was at a concert. I was at a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert yeah. in college when I first um, I I felt God was calling me to, uh, to that I would be part of the next generation of singers and songwriters. Um, who did what he did. So um, so he, he always had a big impact on me. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, well, obviously, obviously I'm not going to be able to get you to say something horrible about one no. of these people. So I'll just put this list aside because yeah, Billy... Yeah, you picked the wrong one. He's obviously so. horribly dishonest, Billy. So... No, I'll tell you what. I mean, if you were to ask me about myself, I'd, I'd say hack because I, I've always told, you know, I've always said that if I ever got to write like an autobiography, I already know the title would be called, uh, the book would be called Half the Talent, Twice the Drive. <laughs> that one right. phrase sums up my whole yeah. career. I've, um, I've obviously have had friends all through music school at the conservatory that were so much more talented and i wow. guarantee you they are still scratching their heads as to how i was the one that got a record deal 
while they're uh, teaching sixth grade choir. Isn't that yeah. crazy so, though? I mean, what, how, like what determines, cause I think everyone wants to like people listening that are dying to be saying like, what, how do you do? Obviously you're very talented, extremely talented and you have a lot of drive. I mean, are there any other ingredients? Is it luck? Is it obviously for a Christian it's prayer and believing that's where God wants you, but sure. like, what, how do you do it? How do you make it big like that? Well, I mean, every that's the one thing about I think, you know, the one thing about this profession is the reason why it's one in a million is, you know, it's like it's like athletics, like even more so than athletics. There's really no one set path to take to get to to this career of music. You know, I mean, even in sports, it's one in a million. But if you play for this traveling team and you get this scholarship or whatever, um, but the odds are, are, are just tough. So I, I would say for me, it literally did come down to a drive, you know, and an entrepreneurial, you know, tendency. I think that for me was, was always what helped me, you know, where I was, I didn't wait for anybody to do anything for me. And if I didn't know how to do it, I figured it out, whether it was getting posters designed and printed and getting my first project recorded in my dorm room and finding out how to print CDs and then finding out how to book concerts and just doing it myself. Yeah. And, you know, so for me it was, and a lot of people I think get bogged down, you know, by, by some of that or maybe get discouraged early. And it has, music has a way of weeding, weeding people out that maybe don't have the same kind of desire or drive. So, so, so let me, for me, I didn't, I didn't give myself a backup plan either. Okay. That was big, you know. I was it was do or die and that's what led me to drive across the country for 4 years in in a Honda Civic wow. playing um 250 college campuses and wow. another 250 youth groups, church groups and you name it. I I even got auctioned off at a Valentine's concert <laughs> at, a, at an all girls college, which was nice. awkward. That's well, yeah, that extremely was extremely awkward. I'm sure it was Did the belly woman buy you? What's that? Did the belly woman try to purchase you? Yeah. Did she track you down? Uh, I mean, well, we've been married for 12 years, so. Uh, oh, wow. Worked out, huh? <laughs> Imagine that would be the best twist that you married the belly woman. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna save that ending for the very end of this episode. <laughs> so, so, oh my gosh! Well, you know what we have to do? We have to actually, and I know I was asking you before if you know the the Irwins, but oh, the yeah, Irwins yeah. are friends of the show. They've been on. John's been on a bunch of times, I think. Right, Chris? I mean, he's been on at least twice. I feel uh, like. I don't, I don't. Uh, but they have this new movie, Woodlawn, that's coming out. Right. Um, and and really, it's coming out this weekend, and I think it's going to be really great. I've already seen it, so I know it's great. And uh, John wants to talk with us a little bit about something that he's seen happening, which I think you'll be interested in yeah. um, as well, Matthew. So I say we I say we take a quick break, and then we dial him up, Chris. All right, All right. sounds good. We will be right back. All right. Well, we somehow somehow we have kept Matthew West on the line. Um, uh, he's being <laughs> well, held, he did hang up being, once. He's being held at gunpoint. Well, no, you're keeping me out of uh, doing homeschool with my kids right oh, now because uh, 
we we normally have homeschool uh, work, and my wife's having to do all the work now because I'm on a very important interview, as far as she knows. That's right. Do you do? Now, do you <laughs> teach? Does she know? Do you teach music at this homeschool? Is that your job? <laughs> yeah, I teach me. I'm more of the principal than anything. Like, if they're not paying attention, I gotta drop the hammer. <laughs> That's awesome. So you've got two. That's a fun you've job. Got, you've got two kids. I've got two daughters, and uh, they're nine and six, and they're wow. on tour with me. Um, and so we're, we're in California today and are they usually uh, on tour with you? Yeah. When we're on like these, we're on a 40 city tour right now. So, um, when we go on these bigger tours, um, they, they come with us. That's why we homeschool, but we won't always do this just like for a season, you know, and then, um, we'll put them in regular school. So we're afraid we're going to mess them up too much, you know, but, uh, well at this age it's fun. My wife's a great teacher, and they're getting a great life experience seeing cities and states all across the country. Now, does your, does I know, your I'm jealous? Does your I'm wife jealous. does your wife work okay. as part of your career? I mean, she's obviously she's your wife and mom. She's the mom and and that sort of thing. But does she work for the business as well? Well, she, you know, she she basically comes out in the role of you know um, parenting, and uh, she, we do we work with a nonprofit organization called Compassion International, right? that we uh, we work with and our, our audience members are encouraged at, at the concerts to to sponsor a child. And so she helps out with that side of things as well. But um, mainly it's just uh, all the homeschool work with the kids. Right, and right, she's right. always been a great support to me with right. the music as well. Oh, so cool. it's great to be together as a family. Honestly, if they weren't with me, I wouldn't be doing 40 city tours across the country because sure. it's just not worth it to build a successful career and lose your family in the process yeah yeah no too many i mean the constraint of that has got to be it's got to be tough at moments when you're traveling you're not with your family and i mean look let's face it i think christian artists obviously have a much better you you don't have a divorce rate that's extremely high like the rest of entertainment but entertainment's a tough business and i think we've we've learned that and we've seen that so it's good that people like you are smart and (laughs) i I do it and i bet you know the divorce rate's probably higher than than people would think, you know, um, I think this kind of lifestyle can take its toll. And so my wife and I just had to make a decision, like we're going to put our family first at all costs. And you think of how many kids don't have a dad and they wish they did. And, you know, if, you know, my kids need me in their life and I need them in my life. And so, you know, we're making sacrifices, but, um, you know, I think we're reaping the rewards of it too, because, uh, we're getting, We've we've become so close as a family. It's really a special thing. So I got to let me ask you a tour question then, and this is a chance for you to promote what you're doing. Uh, what big act are you opening for? And then um, <laughs> do you have and, Matt and Maher? <laughs> I don't I don't know how to pronounce all these names. I listen to their music, and that's what I you know. Uh, but um. What's what Glenn you, had him perform at an event though, so you can't get a pass on. I this one. know I'm terrible. And you were sitting next to me names. at that event. If I, I know recall. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible with names. You know this. Plus, I'm, I I'm awful with names, so uh, I shouldn't even be talking. Anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so do you have anybody? Do you have any other acts that are actually traveling with you, or maybe warming up with you, or doing performing with you? And then, what does your tour schedule look like over the next few weeks, so that people can, if they're if they're in the area, can come check it out? Yeah, well, we're on a tour called the Live Forever Tour right now, which is the title of my new record, which is available where where all fine music is illegally downloaded. <laughs> and um, um, and so, yeah, it's it's, uh, you know, I've I've been doing my own tours for the last 
you know, five years now, but then I'll also jump out and do tours with other artists. Um, so this happens to be our tour. And we brought with us uh, Francesca Battistelli, mm -hmm. who's just a phenomenal talent. And then another um, artist named Mix, Mr. Talkbox, which uh, is a unique name for a unique musician. He's actually a highly sought after and gifted musician that oh. has done guest appearances on everybody's records but he's uh most known for being a longtime member of toby mac's band okay and um and so he's broken out as a solo artist and uh, i brought him out as our as our opening artist as well and and uh tour mc kind of thing so we're it's great man we're right now we're on the west coast we're, we're doing 40 cities across the country i think we're about 13 or 14 shows in and uh we'll be making our way back towards the midwest um, in the next few weeks here, but, uh, you know, they can find out my, people can find out my tour dates on matthewwest.com. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you come out and catch okay. a show. And, awesome. um, of course, you know, Chris and Billy, you guys are always invited as well. Right. We're, oh, you know, I'll be there. there. If you stand outside and in New York hand City, out yeah, I will be there. <laughs> well, something tells me one of you is going to show up wearing like a, a half shirt with your belly sticking <laughs> oh, absolutely. Out. Definitely, Chris. That's, <laughs> oh, you're gonna be in, you're gonna be in, uh, in Nampa, Idaho. I actually went to college in, um, let's see, Nampa. You're in Nampa in on the 18th. Boise State. You're playing at the the Ford Idaho Center, which is over. It's over near Boise. Yeah. 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 yeah like 15, 20 minutes. I'm gonna have to. I think I'm making arrangements to go see the blue football field. Oh, the the Smurf turf. Yeah. 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 I went to a uh, Northwest Nazarene University is in Nampa, Idaho. So that's where I went to school. Oh, okay. it, it went out of business in 1859. Uh, yeah. In you're wondering, so Chris is an older. That was but, a that was a, a hair and beauty school, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it didn't take. It didn't take. Paul. It, it, it wasn't quite Paul Mitchell, but. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. You need to come back every week. This yes, he does. <laughs> Can we please wait a minute? Because right, yes. I, for some reason, this store, this other store that I want to talk about, and honestly, like it just makes me, it makes me sad, which is the re proper. It doesn't reaction. make me sad. It makes well, me I know it does. I'm trying to be a Christian here. It makes me sad <laughs> that somebody lived in an attic for three years because they were homeless and whatever. Right. But what makes me laugh a little bit is just that there's this church, right? And this church is in Arlington, Virginia, Catholic Church. Um, and this air conditioning guy comes to repair the air conditioner, and he hears something upstairs above the kitchen. So he alerts the church. They call the police, and they go into the attic and discover that a man has been uh, allegedly living in this attic for three years. And at night, he would take a ladder, knock one of the ceiling tiles out, go up into the ceiling, pull the ladder up, and put the tile back. And he had, like, a bed that he had yeah. made, yeah. a whole, like, makeshift living space. So for three years... He's been living in this in this church apparently. So it's weird. bizarre. It's, it's so bizarre, man. Is there anything? How do you not know? But is there anything? How do you not? I can't imagine being that janitor because there, is there anything? And all three of us, I'm sure, have been in the situation. You you go into a church at nighttime and you're alone. Is there anything creepier than a big old <laughs> empty church at night that's dark? Because you can't find the light switches and there's all these hallways and it echoes and you're pretty sure that every sound is some sort of murderer coming in to take care of you. Right. I can't. So how did nobody hear him? Oh. Well, and to the thing is, I grew up in church. My dad's been a preacher right. for 38 years. And I'll tell you, you know, one of, one of the thoughts I had about this story was just that, you know, there's people 
in and around the church constantly. Like, right. I mean, the church's doors are rarely locked, right? you know? Now, one of the things that I also find interesting is growing up in church, one thing I learned is that people— um, the fact that it's a religious institution and and like a, a church building with stained glass windows, oftentimes, mm -hmm. and and a sanctuary, like that does not pro pro provide a deterrent for no. for criminals to break in. Like you'd think they'd go, man, I'm not gonna mess with God. I'm not gonna break right. in. But man, we saw people people broke into our church. On multiple occasions growing up, people stole from the offering. Uh -huh. um, people, we had one guy that um, one time my church growing up got a cell phone bill, or not a cell phone bill, but a um, a phone bill from the landline that was about $3,000. And there was a guy in the neighborhood who had been breaking into the church and making 900 number phone calls to all these you know, adult oh. hotlines oh. and had rung up a $3,000 phone bill and they caught him and arrested him. And, you know, it's, it's hard because you'd think people would avoid vandalism or theft at a church. But, you know, a lot of times people look at it and see it differently. Like, well, what are they going to do? Press charges? Right. You know they, what I mean? They see, they see <laughs> yeah, easy no, pickings. I mean, yeah. it's tr it's true. And and in this case, you had somebody who, and again, it's all alleged because you know we haven't heard from him. But according to the police, he had told them this went on for you know multiple years, and he told them how he would how he would do it. And you mm. know he had gone there for a meal at one point, and that was sort of like his entryway into the church. And he apparently started attending. It's just funny to me. Like I kept thinking, okay, where did the ladder come from? What was? How did the ladder? Like, where did the ladder go? Because at the end of the day, if you have to go back up into the attic, how are you getting the ladder back down? Where are you store, storing it? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you leave with the ladder every day? I don't, I can't, like, I'm consumed by this ladder. I want to know the details of, like, where the where, ladder went. And where would he go? Would he just, would he, would he leave the, would he leave before anybody got uh, there? I mean, he, you know, if you're there three years, then you, you, you've studied, you, you're yeah. crafty enough to yeah. study the comings and goings of, of of everybody on the staff yeah. to know when it's the right time to to duck out, when's the right time to come in, where to hide a ladder. I mean, I I think what what the the upside of this is, if this guy gets a second chance, he's really sharp and yeah. could probably get a job working for a security company. I don't know. Have you seen <laughs> him? He doesn't look all that sharp. Well, you know what? Look, he definitely looks a little. I mean, he looks like he's been living in an attic, an attic. for yeah, years. Exactly. But if you could get past that, let's just look at the fact yeah, that yeah. he. I mean, he found a place to stay for three years, yeah. and he studied everybody's movements. I mean, right. he's a better criminal than than some of the others that you hear about. <laughs> no, I think he's going to wind up with another place. He had place a cross on his T-shirt too. It was kind of interesting. Like, but, um, like he I'm, like he raided the clothing bank at the church. Well, I was going to say, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm guessing he he was uh, he knew where to get the clothes. Yeah. And you know, I mean, after after a nice bath, you you've got your church robe. <laughs> he's swimming in the baptistry. Yeah, <laughs> this is terrible. No, but it was—it's one of my favorite stories recently yeah, because I'm—I'm I'm actually impressed by him that he was able to do this for three years, yeah. and I'm also consumed by the ladder, as I said. So my goal <laughs> is to—my goal is to learn more about that ladder, where it was, where it was stored, and how nobody ever saw. I mean, maybe he left at like 5 a.m. You know what I mean? Like maybe he was like, he "Oh, I'm—you know—going to go down." 
I don't know what his alarm was. I want to know that. How did he wake up? How did he know what time? I mean, I want to know the details. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is, you know, you know, hey, I'm not going to try to go all spiritual here, but I mean, the church should be a place for the tired and the poor and the homeless and the the destitute. You know, um, it's it's ironic that from a church outreach, he he found a way to <laughs> yeah. to take it a step right. further. In other words, it's like the house guests who just right. You know, it's like cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation. You know, it's like <laughs> don't don't go falling in love with that RV. We're taking it with us when we leave next month. You know, and and Clark spits his eggnog out all over the floor. But, you know, I mean, he literally came for a meal and stayed for the three pie years. for three years. Yeah, and he probably, they probably would have helped him, I would assume, right? Like, I mean, I would assume there would have been a way to try to get him housing or something. So it's just, I mean, they, I heard that there was going to be a mental health evaluation, so yeah. it, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. But I think it's one of those stories that it's not over. Like, there's going to be other interesting details, and so I'm excited for finding out what those <laughs> are. Hey, you, know what, but, you, know what, you know what Matthew's doing right now? He's writing down lyrics for the next song that he's going to be writing about yeah, somebody's story. Saw, oh, wow. It's called The Ladder. <laughs> the ladder. Oh, uh, I thought you should do a song on Chris Field. You really should. You should. It should be all about you know just navigating his psychological and state, which I think music. would be fascinating. Yeah. Or, or or maybe about you know Billy's mom stealing my <laughs> socks. You know, I mean, there's a song in there somewhere. That That's what we always is. say in Nashville. There's a song in there somewhere. That's right. I love Nashville. I. You know what? Next year, Chris and I are coming to Nashville because we're going to go to the NRB convention and you're going to have to hang out with us. That's the bottom line. Hey, yeah, I go to the NRB convention often. So uh, we'll have to hook up and maybe do a live from Nashville. That would be awesome. We have to do it. We have to do it. Chris, do you have any final thoughts before we let Matthew West go? I don't even have any original thoughts, so I, I don't have any final thoughts, certainly. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think this has been great. You are, you have to come back. Will uh, you come back after experiencing this wonderful show? Absolutely, guys. This has been fun. You oh, know, it's been fun to to talk about some topics that that normally um, I don't get to talk yeah. about. Topics that I would get ridiculed on Facebook about. So, um, you know, this is fun to fun to chat with you guys. Right. And uh, the nice you know, thing. I, the nice thing Appreciate. about the nice thing about saying I'm here is that nobody nobody's gonna react because nobody will hear it, so it's fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. Candace, Candace Cameron, her epi- her episode was huge. that was like all over the place. Remember, yeah, it was like yeah, Entertainment yeah. Tonight, or I don't even. There were a bunch of places who cited it. So I don't know, Matt. You might Candace, be in trouble. She's a big deal right now. Yeah, man. she is. So you know, I think, and you guys are being modest. I know you got a lot of people listening, and you guys are doing a great job. Thank and, you. You know, I think what you're doing too is just. You know, just giving the world a glimpse of just what authentic faith looks like in the real world and, you know, not being uh, not being too stuffy and uh, being able to talk about what's going on in the real world. But from a faith perspective, that's what I want to be about with my music. And uh, and so I'm glad we got to connect today. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. And And we're going to let you go. And 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 you know what? You're going to have to go teach your kids now. That's the bottom line. It's time for you to go be the principal. Yeah, I got to go. I got to go be a productive dad here. So. uh, (laughs) All right. Thanks for getting me out of it, though. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Thank you. We're going to let him go and we'll talk about him. So, yeah, definitely <laughs> talking trash. We got to do that. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later, Matt. Bye, guys. Bye bye. Bye. I think he's out now. Uh oh. Now I've lost Billy. What are you doing, Billy? Billy's still there.
you you weren't supposed to hang you weren't supposed to hang up no it actually disconnected oh, me okay that's why i called you back okay. it, it um disconnected me when you disconnected him that's, that's fine so um that was awesome i hope that, I thought it was lady, great ladies and gentlemen out there listening to this if you've made it this far i hope you, that you enjoyed that that was a ton of fun it was great he seems like a and, genuinely nice guy way to not let the world down billy i know i told you i told you and uh you know, he may have to become a church boy who appears every once in a while. I'd love to know? have him. Love to have him. Um, I thought he was great. And the last thing we're going to do on this show, which is this is a longer episode than ours, is we are going to call our good friend John Irwin. So didn't we tease that in the last break and then we didn't do it? Is that what it Yeah, was? so you're going to have to stick it in there. We had, and, and, of course, this will surprise absolutely no one listening to the show right now. Um, <clears throat> we had some te- technical difficulties during that last break trying to get a hold of the Irwin voice. So... Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break right here and then we will come back and we will have this interview with, uh, with, uh, which Irwin are we doing? John. John Irwin. We will be right back. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my And Billy sits there not speaking. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I don't know why I bother. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, you couldn't hear me? No, I, I, your camera's on so I can see your mouth not moving when you're supposed to be talking. <laughs> see, you're lying again. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, Billy. You're trying to cover your tracks and pretend like nothing's... But you can't... What are... <laughs> You know, you're just playing with, ladies and gentlemen. Do not you, be fooled by this charlatan. You this don't purveyor of cheap me. tricks. You don't. <laughs> um, this is what you know usually happens. Is I I start to get distracted by the enchanting sounds of Satan, and then I, I lose my space totally, and I don't even know what to do. And that's what happened. Okay, so your job, Billy, was to. When we come back from that break, was to inter- to introduce the interview we're we're having. Now you just couldn't hear me. I mean, well, your lips weren't moving. I don't know if you picked up trend- ventriloquism in the last few months, but my lips aren't moving right now, <laughs> and I'm able to talk to you. <laughs> okay, introduce. No, this in, all, in all honesty, I just was Space not paying it. attention. Okay. <laughs> Um, but that was a great interview, was it not? I, I was so enchanted by the interview Billy, that I wasn't so even able to focus. Billy, I'm just so disappointed in you. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Um, well, the worst part was, no, the best part was I was trying to like trick you uh, after I realized I made the mistake and I could not find my mute button. And then when I did find it, I was not able to employ it properly. So I'll be interested to see what this mess sounds like once it's uh, prepared. It'll be glorious. So go ahead and do the thing you were going to do when it came back so we can get to the interview. So, so you can go do the very important thing you have to go do so that we have to cut off this you know, show. So, you know, bottom line is a lot of people apparently are getting saved from this movie, which is fascinating to me because, I, look, I saw Woodlawn and loved it. I thought it was a great movie. But, you know, it's rare to have a film that's actually making an impact like that. You know, you get people who say, oh, I love it. It's so great. Uh, But it really does seem like there's something about this movie that resonates. And I do think it's the events that John was was speaking of, the the, the divisive racial events that we've had. We're going to pull back the curtain here and let you know what has just happened. See, we recorded the interview. And Billy's job was to come back and then introduce the interview when we came back from... (laughs) 
from the break. And what he's doing now and what he's doing now is recapping the interview because Billy doesn't pay attention uh, when people ask him to do things. So what we're, I, what I'm going to tell you now is that we're recapping. we're bringing to you now an, an excellent interview with John John Irwin, the guy behind the hit yeah, movie Woodlawn, which apparently people's lives are being changed. <laughs> So we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and roll that. We'll I'm go completely confused by everything on okay, this we're gonna go I ahead. thought I was recapping it. No, you we're gonna recap at the end, is what I told you. No, you I haven't I've been recording all I've been, fairness I, no, no, on this. I have been recording. I I can go back. I can find the clip from between commercial between breaks where we're talking about what's coming next. I, said, I think we're going to get into this. You introduced, this you introduced, the, inter- you introduced the, the interview. Yet. You introduced the interview. Then we'll have a space and then we'll recap and close. You were supposed to introduce the interview. So instead of, because you failed again, uh, I'll go ahead and do that. And then we'll roll that interview. So ladies and gentlemen, here's John, John, uh, <laughs> here's John Irwin, the guy behind Woodlawn. We'll be right back. Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and we have the interview that we promised you with our good friend John Irwin, who has been on the show before. Uh, John's got a new movie with his brother Andy coming out, Woodlawn. There's a lot of buzz surrounding that movie, and so we're excited to have you on. How you doing, John? Man, Billy, I'm doing great. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm definitely a church boy, uh, born and raised. <laughs> I was practically born at the altar of a Southern Baptist church. That's so, right. Uh, so so uh, it means a lot to me, and it's cool to see what's going on and what the church is so, really doing around the country uh, with the film. That's cool. Now, what's, what's, ama- what's been amazing to me, now I will we'll let you get in the movie, but I was, uh, and it's Chris here, by the way, uh, I was really amazed to hear that there's all this success going on about this movie that's all about landscaping. So can you tell us about this, this Woodlawn movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, Woodlawn is about the crisis uh, that we face in America of grass, you know, not being quite right in our lawn. And so we have to, we have to do that. But, but uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, a riveting film about literally watching the grass grow. Wow. So I'm kidding. <laughs> and it's changing <laughs> lives, I hear. It's, it's it time-lapse grass growing. It is changing the landscape of America. That was a, that was a woodlawn pun. All right. I so, love it. So, uh, but dude, but, let us, uh, tell, people no, about, no, tell no. people about this movie. No, Woodlawn is a story. It's, it's a true story, which is amazing. Woodlawn High School in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, my hometown, uh, you know, 40 years ago was destined to close its doors because of violence from forced integration, uh, and nothing could really fix this problem of hatred and prejudice. And it was a spiritual awakening at the school, the football team, and one night the entire team gave their lives to Christ and decided to love each other, you know, and to model out, you know, that ideal. And, uh, and it shook the school. It actually saved the school from closing, shook the city of Birmingham, led to the largest high school football game to this day ever played in the state of Alabama. And uh, the city rallied around its first African-American superstar, Tony Nathan, this quiet kid, uh, you know, this quiet, humble kid, but that had a real gift. And somehow by the city embracing him, the city was able to begin to heal again mm. and, and come back together. And so it's this incredible story of love and unity that could not be more relevant to yeah. the times that we live in today. And, and that's what's exciting about this film is to see how uh, relevant to our times it is yeah. and, and how relevant to our times it can be. 
And uh, and so it, it's cool to see the film have a level of interaction that I've never seen before on anything that I've worked on. Now tell us, there's been some experiences that we've been hearing about. Tell us, tell us about some of these stories that are happening at, at these screenings of this movie. Yeah, that's what's amazing about this is that, uh, you know, again, one of the, the pivotal scenes in the movie is when Sean Astin, you know, who is his first return to football since Rudy, right. uh, challenges this team to change, to make a decision and change. And this actually happened in Birmingham. And one by one, these players step forward, and then it's a flood of, uh, of players that, that decide to dedicate themselves to Christ and to love and to unity. And what's amazing about the film is that when young people see it, when teens see it, you know, we've done some tests all around America. We've done some churches show it early. Uh, they want to do what's in the film. So like at Prestonwood Baptist a week and a half ago, uh, you know, I'm born and raised in church and church all my life, but I've never seen the, the altar, the front of a church, not be big enough in, in, a, in a mega church, not wow. be big enough for the, the amount of young people that stood and flooded the front to make this decision together wow. as individuals, as teams. And it was hundreds and hundreds of kids. And if that was an anomaly, I wouldn't be talking about it, but that's happening everywhere, everywhere the film is screened with, with young people. Um, you know, kids are standing up and making decisions together. And that uh, happened last night. 200 kids stood to their feet, came to the front, made decisions for Christ and for unity. And, you know, Woodlawn is a story of one, one team in Birmingham, Alabama, and the difference one team can make. Well, imagine if in the social climate we live in in America, thousands of teams or schools or classrooms or individual students made this decision of, you know what, I'm going to model uh, love and peace and unity in my school and in my life that could really that could help that could yeah. help in some things that we, we need we desperately need help on in America are you surprised I mean look I I journeyed with you talked with you you know we're friends and you know interviewed you numerous times throughout this entire process um, and making the film and, and getting it out there and I know what your hopes were but in seeing 200 people, 100 people at all these different events, young people stand up and not, I mean, this is not a small decision. It's a huge decision to say, I'm going to accept Christ. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to become a Christian. You know, are you stunned by that at all, even though you had had high hopes? I mean, what's that, what's that feel like to see it actually happen? Oh, I'm absolutely stunned by it. I remember, uh, you know, uh, watching a documentary about Star Wars, you know, when that film finally showed and they saw the response to it, uh, you know, a lot of the crew were like, who worked on that movie? That's incredible. You know, and, and that's kind of how I feel because I had no idea. I, I hope that the film would spark a conversation, but I had no idea that the film would spark this kind of visceral, immediate reaction. And I think that's the power of the medium and why we have to be involved because this is a, an emotional medium. And I, and I think it's, you know, kids crave what they see, you know, and, and what they experience and what they feel. And and I think that you just can't help but want to be a part of it. And so it's so cool to see that happening, uh, you know, and, and now to think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to go nationwide. Oh, man, just think of what yeah. could happen yeah, if coaches, youth directors, pastors, FCA chaplains seize the moment and seize this opportunity, you know. Uh, and, and I'm excited to know uh, what could happen. And I think, you know, the film is entertaining and, and inspiring, and so – uh, and it's just an undeniable story, and and the story does the work. So I'm I'm just kind of the messenger, yeah. but I do 
walk forward with optimism and with hope. But you know what? We've, we've, we're facing a lot of problems in America, but these are problems that we've faced before. Yeah. And, and uh, there is a way out. And, and maybe uh, you know, the way out is to make a decision to love each other. And it's I you know, and one thing about this movie and I, again I've I haven't had a chance to see it yet but I'm gonna I'm going to see it but I've seen the previews and I've read the clippings and I've and you know all this, the all the stuff that's out there and it fascinates me but uh, away from the spiritual side and I know that you can't really divide the two because this is your ministry but it looks like it's 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 it is high quality Hollywood movie like you got to go see this kind of stuff. I mean like John Voight's in it. Did you has you worked with John Voight before? And if you if you have or haven't, what what's it like working with with him? I mean that's a that's a megastar. Uh, yeah, you know John Voight is uh, is an Academy Award winning actor and it's a legend playing a legend because you know Coach Bear Bryant right. is, is one of the most famous coaches of all time. And to see the way John Voight portrays that character and the love and care that he took to the role. It's, he's really good yeah. in the movie and he loves the film, you know, and good. it's just a, it, his performance is excellent. And to work with him, to work with Sean Astin in his first return, you know, uh, you know, to football since Rudy, I mean, the cast delivers in this movie mm. in a way that is really, really special. And what I think what you're going to sense is that the whole cast bought into the idea yeah. of, this this incredible statement of hope, you know? Right. And in the times we live in, I think we we need less anti heroes and more stories of hope, you know, blatant stories of hope and and uh you know, it's exciting. So right. I really do believe that uh that something special is gonna happen with this film and to be able to see it, you know, it, I mean already what's happening has made the last uh, uh year of my life uh, worth it, and it's cool to see like people like Todd Blackledge with ESPN or Sean Hannity or others, and they've watched it like three times yeah. already, yeah. and they love it. So there is it's 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 an entertaining movie first and foremost. That's cool. That I believe people will love, but then I think the uh, I think in in it being entertaining it gives us an opportunity to say something that I think needs to be said. Yeah. So I I when I'm not ruining people's lives working here at the Blaze, I'm ruining the lives of of youth in America by working with our youth group at our church, and then I also coach high school football. So I have two very different youth audiences that I work with, and I know that my church kids, my youth group kids, are going to like this movie because it does it does speak to the things that they have been taught. But I got you know I've got a whole football team that I would love to take to this movie, or at least some of them, some of my leaders on the team, and take them and show them. But they're not they're not church kids. Is this a football movie? This is something that I can take them to like, they're going to enjoy it because they're football players and they'll get something like that out of it. Yeah. That's what's amazing about the film is that again, I, I don't think people care about a, um, a bold point of view as long as it's well presented and it's right. entertaining, you know, avatar is the number one movie ever made, you know, and it's, it'll bludgeon you over the head with a yeah. worldview certainly, but it's entertaining. And, and I, and I do believe that that's the category that we, exist in uh because uh you know that the film is entertaining you know and and kids love it and so it's cool to see uh, like temple university uh watched it and uh they just thought it was an entertaining football film they didn't realize it was a over christian film and it jazzed them up and they went out Good. and beat penn state the next night for, for uh -oh. the first time in 41 years are you taking so, are you taking credit uh, for that are you taking credit for that victory i i am okay. i am I work in the film business, which means we take credit for everything. Oh, yes. We didn't do it. So, so of course, uh, of course I'm claiming something, but, uh, yeah. but at any rate, you know, it, it, I think it's incredible to see that it's just an entertaining film, you know, yeah. that will inspire you, but it also motivates action. It's a hard film to go to and not want to do something. And the cool thing about youth groups seeing it and teams is we forget 
the power of decisions, I mean, certainly they're important when they're made individually. Right. Uh, a, a decision for Christ, a decision for unity, a decision for whatever. But there's also incredible power when they're made collectively and when some group or unit gets together, and whether it's a team, a classroom, a school, you know, a church, a youth group, and says, let's do this together. Yeah. You know, because then peer pressure becomes a good thing. Yeah. You know, we forget that peer pressure is kind of neutral. It can work both ways. Yeah. And, and so it's cool to see a level of positive peer pressure. And that's what this story was. It was a story of a group of young people that said, we're going to change and we're going to change together. And, and so it's cool to see teams coming together, putting their arms around each other and say, let's do this. Let's change. Let's, let's, let's live out. You know, uh, Jesus knew what he was, knew what he was saying when yeah. he said, you know, you can pretty much wrap everything up in loving God and loving each other, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that needs to happen more today. You know, right. the way we treat each other needs to change. And so I feel like the film is just a breath of fresh air and a shot of hope, you know, when people need it. Cool. Well, thank you, John, for being on with us. The new movie is Woodlawn. It's out this weekend. Please go check it out. It's got a great message. And and uh, from everything I've heard, it is an excellent movie. Thank you, John, so much for being on with us today. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was an amazing interview with John, John Irwin. I can't. I'm, honestly, can we just talk about the fact that I am actually in a mode? I would call it. Billy's supposed to teach fading. a class. Billy's supposed to teach a class and completely forgot. So he's cramming to go teach this class because he's got to get to the city. You know, it's true. It's true. And. Let me let me end it here okay. and just say that you should go see Woodlawn. Go, let's go see Woodlawn. Every, <laughs> everybody, let's go see Woodlawn. I, look, I've been a mess before. This one's bad. Okay. And thank, thank you, Billy, for being on today. <laughs> thank you, Matthew West. We're gonna get out of here before things absolutely and completely fall apart. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Church Bowl.